name's Dan Bidwell, Senior Minister here. It is super to have you. And uh, just before I start the sermon, um, I just want to say two things. One is, how amazing is Beck, our kids and youth minister? And second, how amazing is the kids and youth program here at Robbo? Uh, you, uh, just by looking at that video, sometimes you sort of think, oh, a little country town, it's going to be, you know, a little, a little group of five or six kids. And, um, you know, on some nights there are over 30 uh, teenagers here on a Friday night, um, some nights eight, nine, ten youth leaders with them. So just as your kids are sort of in the orbit uh, or growing up or you've got grandkids or family or neighbours, you can actually send them along here on a Friday night with great confidence that they're going to enjoy themselves uh, and that, you know, this is, a, this is an amazing thing. And it's not something that Beck's done, it's not something that I did or, or that Graham did before me, it's something that Jesus is doing. So uh, what a wonderful gift to the Highlands to have a youth here, and of course, all the kids' programs that are on right now. So um, praise God for all of that. Uh, as we start the sermon, though, um, we are sort of shifting gears towards Christmas stuff. We've been looking at uh, Philippians for a little while, but we're shifting our mind to Christmas. And so as we start, I want to ask you a question. What is your all-time favorite Christmas carol? I want you to turn to the people around you and uh, share with them. What is your favorite Christmas carol ever? Off you go. You've got 30 seconds. Ten seconds to go. All righty. Well, people are still sharing. Uh, anybody got a favorite Christmas carol they want to just pop your hand up first so that when you shout, I know where to look? Well, and if you've got to put your hand... Uh, so, hope, yes. Joy to the world. I love joy to the world. Good one. Rod, same. Anyone else different? Yeah, Joe? Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or as I heard this morning, its original title, Hark the Herald Welkin Ring. Um, there you go. Yeah, Esther. Oh, Holy Night. Very good. We're going to do that one at uh, Burrowang next week. Megan, Carol of the Birds. No. What is that? I remember that. Oh, you got me, finally. It came back. Um, anybody else was a kid in the 80s in New South Wales public schools? I think we sung that. Unfortunately, I don't think I've sung it for something like 30 years. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else? Any other Christmas carols you love? Yep, Zali. We Three Kings, very nice. All right. Um, I, um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christmas lover. I don't think I've told you yet. Um, this is my, my favorite time of year. I love Christmas. I um, think it goes back to um, when I was a kid, and I want to tell you about my experience with Christmas carols, because back, um, I was a kid in the late 1970s and early 1980s, and I remember as a family, we had this tradition of going out to carols by candlelight, and uh, now I'm five, four, five, six years old, so maybe my memory is a little faulty, but what I remember is 
um, parks or um, big, you know, big sort of grassy spaces filled with people on picnic rugs um, with little booklets singing along to carols. Um, one of my favourite things that I remember is that because it was the 70s or 80s, you actually had a real candle um, and, and they, put, they poked it through a paper plate so you wouldn't get any wax burning on you, which never stopped you from... <laughs> you know, from tipping it over and dripping it on people anyway. And so you went home with sort of your blanket covered in wax. Fantastic memories. Um, and for us, even though our family didn't go to church, um, this was a, a tradition that we did. We went to carols by candlelight every year, wherever we happened to be. And, um, and it's where I learned all the Christmas carols. But it's also, I think, um, where I first heard the story about Jesus, um, my family didn't go to church, and so I think through the carols, we sang about Santa and Rudolph and all of those, but also about this baby Jesus, and I think God used those carols to capture my heart as this tiny kid with a melting candle in my hand. And uh, so as we turn our minds to Christmas and the story of the birth of Jesus, I just wanted to share a message today. It's, it's sort of a one-off to get us in the mood for Christmas. Um, a message uh, via one of my favorite Christmas songs. We'd just sung it before. Uh, it's something that will help us prepare our hearts as we turn to the story of Jesus for the next few weeks. Because it's way too easy to turn our hearts to um, preparing meals and preparing gifts. Um, but what we want to do is prepare our hearts for Jesus' arrival. So let's pray and ask God to help us with that today. Our Heavenly Father, as we take this time to reflect on Christmas and your Son, Jesus, please teach us through the Bible and through your Holy Spirit. And help us to know the hope and joy of Christmas. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I forgot a picture. How cool is this? Um, I can that little guy on the left with the mullet. Maybe that's what I looked at, like 1981. Um, that's probably back in fashion now. Uh, not so ironic. Um, <laughs> well, all of uh, December in the church calendar, it's called Advent. Um, Advent is that Latin or comes from the Latin word meaning arrival. And so this Advent season, it's all about waiting for the arrival, not just of Christmas morning, but the arrival of baby Jesus. Um, Advent is a season of expectation. And uh, I don't know about you, but in our household, there's lots of expectation around Christmas. Uh, we have expectations about what our decorations will look like. Uh, we had a chance to start again, actually, when we moved back from America this year. We left behind all our decorations. So we have started again. And uh, I'm excited. Uh, we have expectations about what our Christmas lunch is going to look like. Uh, we have um, expectations, or the kids certainly have expectations about what gifts they're going to get. Um, although we have got to that point in life where choosing gifts actually doesn't work out so well with kids anymore. We, we get more joy by going to the shopping center with them and giving them some money and watching them go off and come back happy with bags. So... Um, some of you, that's all ahead. You might have expectations about what Christmas Day or the, the day means for your family. Uh, or you might know that Christmas means unfulfilled expectations for you. Um, a season that fills you with dread rather than excitement. Christmas is a season with lots of expectations put on it. An expectation is the context for the Christmas carol that we're going to look at today, which is, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Um, we had the words up before we sung it. Um, this carol, written by Charles Wesley in 1744, um, Charles Wesley and his brother John, they were founders of the Methodist revival movement in England, and these two brothers together, uh, along with another famous revivalist called George Whitfield, uh, they ended up preaching to open-air stadiums in England, uh, up to 10,000 people at a time. I'm trying to imagine in the, the middle of the 1700s how they made their voices big enough. Uh, a lady at the 8 o'clock service said, well, it was the Holy Spirit 
who spoke. Who even knows? But as amazing, uh, they're part of a bigger phenomenon called the Great Revival, uh, the Great Awakening or the Evangelical Revival um, that sort of spread through Britain and North America in the 1700s. And uh, the Wesleys were very influential figures in their time. Charles Wesley, who wrote um, our hymn today, he's best known as the author of something like six and a half thousand hymns. Imagine that, wrote 6,500, something like that. Um, And can it be? Hark the herald angels uh, sing. And today's one, um, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. So this is the song we sung before, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Starts like this. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Um, Just think about the historical context of this song. Um, It takes us back to this period, um, centuries before Jesus' birth, uh, this period of expectation for God's people, a period of waiting for a promised saviour who was going to come and set them free from the oppression of foreign rule. Uh, Because uh, by the time Jesus was born, for more than 700 years, um, God's people had been occupied, Israel had been occupied uh, by uh, empire after empire. There was the Assyrians, the Babylonians, then the, uh, the Persians, the Greeks, the Seleucids, and finally the Roman Empire. And so God's people had been denied sovereignty in their own country, um, the land that God had promised them uh, through their forefather Abraham. And so they'd been beaten down and oppressed. But there was one promise that kept them going, and that was the promise of a saviour, a king, somebody who would come and restore David's throne. And uh, this king would be anointed by God. And that's what the word Messiah means. It means anointed. Um, And the word in Greek is Christ. And so that's why you get the two words the same. So God had made this promise to his people um, right at the beginning of their period of suffering. So when we read that Isaiah reading before, 700 years before the beginning, a birth of Jesus, God's made this promise to them that one day the light would shine in the darkness. This is what it said in Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. Um, It's classic Christmas reading, isn't it? Um, This birth of a royal prince, the promise of a king. I don't know if you remember when um, Prince William and Kate Middleton got married. Um, As soon as they got married, it felt like people were asking, when will they have a baby? Because of course, you know, William, he's first in line after King Charles. And so any baby that he has will become also first or next in line after Prince William. And so poor old Kate, um, as soon as they're married, people are asking, when are you going to have children? And you know, every time the, the, uh, the media took a photo of Kate standing slightly sideways, they're like, is that a bump? Is that a royal bump? Is that a royal baby? They were so excited for this royal prince to be born. Well, the same expectation was there for the Jewish people in those centuries as they waited for this royal baby to be born, their, their future king. Um, The only difference was there was no royal family for them to watch. Um, Instead, they had to rely on the words of God's prophecies uh, to keep their expectations alive. They relied on God to be true to his promise that he'd made some 700 years earlier. So they were waiting for the darkness to end uh, and the new light to dawn. Um, There's a line in the hymn about halfway down verse 1. It calls Jesus Israel's strength and consolation. So the promise is that this king would console God's people in the midst of their sorrow. He'd bring them consolation and hope and and, and new joy. He would uh, comfort them and heal their wounded nation. 
uh, in Luke's account, as we read before, uh, we, we met Simeon, uh, this man who was uh, there in Israel. He was righteous and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Um, and by the Holy Spirit, we read before that he'd been told that he would meet the Savior. Well, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's where the line in the song comes from. And so that's the historical context of this carol. God's people were waiting for a royal birth. Uh, they're waiting with great expectation for this national Savior. But the birth of Jesus is not just about a historical people waiting for a historical king. Um, the point of the song and the point of Christmas is that it actually has ongoing, uh, uh, ongoing relevance for every generation. Um, I said before that uh, Christmas often comes with lots of expectations. Uh, I don't know how you're feeling about Christmas right now. I know that most years on about the 22nd of December, I start to think, gee, I really should have ordered some Christmas presents or gone Christmas shopping before now. Uh, is anybody else like me? They're late, late Christmas shoppers. Yes, I've got this side of the room. This side of the room is feeling very righteous right now. They're like, <laughs> we had that done in August. Um, does anybody have it done by August? Wow, that would be scary. Uh, amazing. Um, um, I still haven't done my shopping yet, but you know, maybe today will be a spur for me. Um, you know, Christmas can be a really stressful time. There's all of the preparations that have to be made. You know, you might be thinking about the Christmas meal. You might be thinking about the gifts. You might be traveling. You might have people coming to stay at your house. Um, you might have, you know, illness in the family. COVID might have added to the stress of your Christmas. Uh, and then that's without the family stress that comes just from being related to people. Um, Christmas isn't always easy, especially if there's strained relationships within your family. Uh, you might have shared custody of kids. Uh, you might just be trying to juggle everybody's uh, family expectations so you can get to see everybody. Um, you might be struggling with ill health. You might be looking after somebody uh, who's unwell. You might be mourning the loss of a loved one. Uh, the holidays are especially difficult for those who are grieving. And so, you know, we look at the Christmas tree and the decorations and we, and we think Christmas is like a, you know, a Hallmark card. But actually, it doesn't always work out like that. And that's the second big idea that I think we, we learn in the song, that um, the birth of Jesus is actually about fixing everything that is wrong with the world. So come back to the hymn with me and look at the third line. It says, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins, release us. So Jesus didn't just come to set his people free from Roman oppression. Um, he came to deal with a much more fundamental human problem, which is the problem of sin. Uh, the Bible talks about sin as the root cause of everything that is wrong with our world. Uh, and so right from the third chapter of the Bible, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God and they ate the forbidden fruit, humans are being characterized by that same rebellious nature. And, and, you know, we're not sort of talking about fun, sort of rebellious nature. It's not about being cheeky. No, this is the kind of rebelliousness that's self-destructive. You know, we all do things that hurt the ones we love. We, we do things that hurt our own bodies. We do things that hurt others. We exploit people. Uh, every one of us participates in what is wrong with this world. Uh, we all contribute to the problem. And actually, we can't stop ourselves. And that's what sin is. We may not be able to stop ourselves, but you know what Jesus can stop what we're doing. And that's where Jesus' birth is a light in the darkness and the dawn of a new day for us because Jesus wasn't just born to be a historical king. He was born to be the king over all creation for all time. Uh, he's the son of God who rules with uh, righteousness and justice. So have a look at Isaiah again with me. Uh, it says this about 
the promised king, about Jesus. It says he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. He'll establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so with the birth of Jesus, God reveals the, the beginning of his plan to restore justice on earth, to reestablish righteousness. That is to make a new way for sinful people to approach the holy God. Uh, it's the beginning of our liberation and our deliverance from our biggest problem, our deepest problem, which is sin. I love the way that the uh, song puts it in the second verse. It says, Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. So if the spirit of sin is rebelling against God, then allowing Jesus to reign in us forever I think that's actually the way that we return to God, isn't it? Rather than rebel against Him, we let Him reign and rule in our hearts. And that means instead of building our own kingdoms, we actually ask Jesus to build His kingdom into our lives, to to bring His kingdom and to bring His grace into our lives, to bring His forgiveness into our lives. Uh, We ask Jesus to direct our lives and to, to rule in our hearts alone, as the song says. And it's kind of funny, you'd think that you'd be giving up your freedom when that happens, but here's the paradox of the Christian life. When we live according to God's rule in our life, that's actually how Jesus sets us free. He sets us free from the fear of what happens when we die, sets us free from the consequences of our sin. He sets us free to live a new life now that anticipates the life and the eternal life that will come when Jesus' kingdom comes eternally. Uh, what I love about the Christian message, it actually uh, teaches us about how we can restore broken relationships in our world uh, by following the pattern of Jesus, extending grace and mercy in those broken relationships in our families, as difficult as that seems. Uh, When we choose love rather than holding grudges, by doing what is good, not just doing whatever we feel like, that's actually how Jesus brings healing and hope to a hurting world. He does it through us as we let his kingdom rule, rule and reign in our hearts. And that just brings me to the final idea for, from the song, um, which is that the birth of Jesus is about the hope that every human is looking for. Uh, I suspect one of the reasons I love Christmas so much as a child uh, was the presents that I received. Um, my brothers and sisters and I were very spoiled, I think, at Christmas. And there were always... Um, wonderful Christmas presents under the tree. There was this great anticipation about what might be behind the wrapping paper. And, um, and my parents used to surprise us. They did such a great job. Um, here's the sad part of the story, though. Do you know sometimes as you grow up, you're not so excited by the surprises anymore? You know, you're like, well, it's not really what I wanted. Thanks, but isn't that terrible? That's a terrible attitude. You can all just judge me for a moment. Well, I think that same desire happens into adulthood. There's things you want aren't they? You you say, that's what I want, not the other thing. That's what I want. Um, Me, I've always been drawn to shiny things. And um, there's a little voice inside my head that says, you know what, if you had one of those, your life would be so much better. Does anybody else have that little voice? Um, And you might not be into material things like me, but every one of us has at least one thing, one one sort of object, a shiny object or, or something else, something that if we had it, it promises us fulfillment, something that if we had it, then you would say to yourself, I would be satisfied, I would be happy, I would be joyful, my life would be complete if I had that one thing. So, you know, for you, it might be, might be a relationship, it might be a particular job, it might be, it might be something else, it might be a child, 
might be a position of status or influence, whatever that one thing is for you, we all have it. We all have that one thing that says, if you achieve this, if you own this, then you would be truly happy. But as you look ahead to Christmas this year, what would make you truly happy? What would be the one thing that you really want? Uh, Around the time that um, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus was written, the famous uh, French philosopher Blaise Pascal said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator. In other words, we all desire something, but you know what? Ultimately, only God can fill the void. And the song picks up on this idea at the end of the first verse. It says, Hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. I'm always so envious of songwriters. They can capture such amazing ideas, deep truths in like, what is that, 12 words or something? Amazing. But I think these three lines here, I think they actually capture some of the deepest truths that we could hear as humans. We spend our lives pinning our hopes on plans. We pin our hopes on projects. We, we pin our hopes on people. We go after our desires for, ho- for happiness and, and we hope that it'll work. We long for joy. How many of us ever really achieve it when we place our hope in plans and projects and people? The reality is we're only ever going to find our desires fulfilled by one person and that person is Jesus and he'll fill your hearts for this lifetime and for all eternity because Jesus' kingdom, it's not just about the here and now, it's not just about this lifetime. If it was, then you could be excused for thinking it's not very impressive I mean, you know, after all, Christians still find themselves entangled in sin, myself included. Uh, we still live with the consequences of hurting those people who we love. We still live with the pain of death. But Jesus' kingdom is not principally about the here and now. Uh, listen to what Jesus said to Pilate on the day that he was arrested. Uh, the Roman governor questioned Jesus right before his crucifixion. He asked Jesus something about his kingdom, and Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But he says, but now my kingdom is from another place. And Pilate says, you are a king then. And Jesus answered, well, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. See, Jesus' kingdom, it's not of this world, not principally anyway, not right now. His kingdom rules in our hearts right now. But one day Jesus' kingdom will be revealed fully and physically uh, in the new heavens and the new earth when uh, the creator makes all things new, when he makes everything perfect, where sin has no place. In that kingdom, every tear will be wiped away. Every justice, uh, every injustice will be righted. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death. Just the joy of being in Jesus' kingdom and every hope and desire fulfilled in it. That's the promise that was born to us on the first Christmas morning, the long-expected child and king. And so may his kingdom come in your hearts now. May it give you deep peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Christmas season and the expectation of a baby, expectation of a king. Heavenly Father, will you give us such joy and hope in Jesus that you allow him to rule in our hearts. Thank you, Father, that he's come to restore all things. 
may he restore our hearts and as you rule in our uh, you rule in our hearts may we bring his kingdom and his justice and his mercy and his love and his grace into all those relationships that we share heavenly father give us a great christmas help us to be prepared for the birth of our uh, savior king jesus we pray in his precious name amen